0: under the two generations gaming banner this is one guy reading whether you meant to or not you found noobs book club i'm sean Noob of all trades from two generations gaming and in this series i am reading and reacting to dragons of fate the latest volume from the margaret weiss and tracy hickman dragonlands destiny series i am almost at the end of the book i just did a an inventory and i only have this episode plus two other episodes before i'm done with the book and then I will pick up in the next series with Jurassic Park. And then I haven't figured out if I'm going to do The Lost World after that or what book I'm going to do after that. So if you enjoy these, come back and we'll keep doing them with Jurassic Park. Episode 11, Chapter 23. Storm tries to talk Raclin out of his mission to save Magius. You know this is wrong, he says. It's never stopped me before, Raceland replies. He also tries to convince Sturm to stay back. Sturm wants to come and support. They will see immediately that you are a knight and you don't belong there. Sturm agrees to disguise himself and hide his sword. But what of Raceland's red robes? Fine, he will wear a cloak over them. They arrive at the entrance and continue along the stream to the camps of the enemy. They note that all races set up their own camps. None of them trusts the other, but the Dark Queen keeps them together as a loose coalition. They see the dragon's tent and talk some about his strategy in the face of his injuries. As they do, a half-ogre approaches on horseback. He wears black robes and a litany of ten ogres as guards on foot follow. Racelin identifies him as a cleric and not a magic user. The cleric stops outside of the dragon's camp. He announces his arrival and that he wants to speak with the dragon. They tell him that the dragon is indisposed and that we'll meet him tomorrow. Annoyed, Mortuga decides to stay the night in the officer's tent. He asks for his men to be cared for and fed. Raceland comes up with a plan. He asks Sturm simply to follow. Approaching the guards, he coughs and displays his handkerchief flecked with blood. They ask if he has the plague. Posing as a cleric of Morgan, he lets them sweat it out. To be rid of them quickly, they point him in the direction of the Goodloes and Magius. Raceland fills Sturm in on what he knows about them. They plan to attack one each. Raceland kills one with a magic missile to the chest. Stern buries his sword in the other's gut. He falls dead. When they look in the tent, they see Magius lying on the ground, bloodied and beaten. He asks for water. Raceland gives it to him and tells him that they came to rescue him. Magius tells him that they wasted a trip. The good loaves shattered his legs, ensuring no escape. He told them nothing about the gem because honestly he knew nothing. A bitter laugh. His staff... He grants the staff to Raceland, Then he becomes delirious. He calls Sturm Huma. Sturm plays along and lets the man say a final goodbye to his friend. Furious, Raceland casts a fireball into the tent. Magius dies with the magic burning in his blood after all. Chapter 33 Sturm urges Raceland to leave before the flames trap them. Raceland needs to find the staff. Entering the nearest tent, already engulfed, he prays to his gods of magic, to help him. He first thinks that when he sees a light, that the light of the staff is just an ember and the flame. But he then grabs the staff and runs outside to rejoin Sturm. How do we get out of here? Follow the river back. When they arrive at a bridge crossing, they see that the dragon destroyed it, either to prevent the enemy or his own troops' movement. Sturm suggests Raclin use the traveling spell to save himself. Instead, they make their way back to the camp to find another way Back to the temple. When they do, they see Mortuga becoming increasingly annoyed at being kept waiting. They try to use the commotion to their advantage, but the half-ogre notices either Raislin or his staff, or both. Raislin needs another cover. The true cleric went out him as a fraud of an unholy man. When the ogre demands the staff, he says it's simply a walking staff. Mortuga insists. The staff sprouts thorns and injures one of his guards trying to grab it. The dragon finally joins the fray. He and the ogre spar verbally. The thorns of the staff disappear. Raceland warns Mortuga, who ignores him. The staff lets off some wild magic of all three gods and kills the ogre. Now the dragon demands the staff. The goblinoids and humans of the camp surround Raceland and Sturm. Be it chaos or simply the chaos of Taz, he and the gnomes arrive with the dragon lands. It lops off one of the dragon's horns as it careens wildly through the camp. They notice that A, it is on fire, and B, that fire is spreading to the gunpowder stored on the device. It explodes, demolishing the dragon's army. The dragon alone survives. Broken and bloodied, but alive. Our heroes notice that the Dark Queen's armies are on the move. They get into a defensive stance when a rider enters the camp. He ignores them. They are to deliver a message to Imolatus. He tells the messenger that all of this is the work of the Grey Gem. Once Takeses hears that, all bets will be off. She will stop at nothing to possess it. After all of that, Imolotis, inhibited by his injuries, somehow finds a way to take off and get away from there as quickly as possible. Raeislin, Sturm, and Taz realize that they need to move too, but they are all exhausted and must rest. Fine. Raeislin takes first watch. He watches magical clouds move towards the tower and realizes that I may be lost anyway. Chapter 34 the bell chimes. A new day, Destina and Karen decide to find safety in company. She asks about another attack. He explains that the dragon's injury is so severe that he flies back to the abyss. He further explains that while time probably changed due to chaos, it mostly flows unabated. History continues as it should. Everybody there continues to work on cleanup after Belgrave is buried. Basically, this chapter exists to tell us that history proceeds, Tully is a spy. And make Karen's love for Destina Public. Because he finally tells her that he loves her. Honestly, that's it. And now for my reaction. New character. Mortuga. He serves his limited purpose. What purpose is that? Not entirely sure. He doesn't drive the narrative. He doesn't introduce any new ideas. He just comes in, throws a temper tantrum, insults the dragon, and dies. So, yeah. Never mind. Returning characters. Taz and the gnomes are back. Just in the nick of time. Parenthetically, pun intended, they show up to save the day for Sturm, Raistlin, and perhaps our heroes. I mean, the Good Dragons have something to say about the larger battle. But they don't have to worry about Imolatus and his crew now. What did I like least? I already tipped my hand on this one. I actually didn't like either the half-ogre character or the chapter dealing with Destina and Karen. Since the latter deals with an entire chapter, and we haven't had any genuine Destina hate lately, let's talk about that. Just kidding. I'll spare you having to listen to me complain for a couple of minutes about Destina, but seriously, what the hell was this chapter? It's one thing to drop a completely useless character into the narrative. It's another to spend an entire chapter wasting our time, especially when I went on and on last episode about how much I enjoyed the pace of the previous chapters. I mean, maybe they expand on it over the next chapter or two. If so, and they give us a payoff, then I'll change my tune. But for now, it just feels so weird in context. I bet you thought I might say Taz there. And now for what I like best. Now is when I pull the old bait and switch and display my masterful segway technique. You must be new here. Or maybe I'm just that good and hit you with the old Uno reverse card. Actually, neither. Honestly, when they showed up, I rolled my eyes. Here come Taz and the gnomes to screw up all of this momentum they built. Thankfully, even though they dropped in thanks to Deus Ex Machina, I skimmed their section and really missed nothing. So why even bring up Taz? Well, I foreshadowed a bit earlier. Last episode I talked about not liking the ramifications of the discussion about free will. I won't relitigate that here. Listen to the previous episode if you want to hear more on that subject. Well, in light of that discussion, Weiss and Hickman come along to turn everything on its ear. They pulled the old switcheroo, or Una Reverse, or both. Raceland, who spent the better part of this book worrying about their place in history, ends up full of sound and fury signifying nothing. Despite his best effort, and bluster about consequences be damned, he fails to rescue Magius, and time continues to flow, ready to wash away their pesky interventions. Or, does it? Because along comes Tasselhoff Burfoot. He flips a switch, the gnomish Lance comes to life, and then meets its death. That death, while it too fits into the original annals of history, now also altered that history? I'm not 100% positive of that, but I know that it will play a role. Son of a bitch. So surprise development, parenthetically, or is it, results in time being changed after all. Why do I ask if it's actually a surprise, even though it surprised me? Well, Weiss and Hickman explained several times that the Chaos Races can change history. That's why Destino wanted Taz to come along for the trip. So they baited me with breadcrumb after breadcrumb that Raithlin might actually save Magius, only to have him die in another fashion. Thus, his actions changed history. Then, they switched and used their ace in the hole that they set up all along. And I feel foolish. But, for that, I applaud them. Well planned and crafted. No surprise that they again assert themselves as some of the preeminent fantasy writers of all time. Forget Tolkien or George R. R. Martin. One set of stories I simply think are boring. The other, honestly, I have no use for at all. But Dragonlance, parenthetically, other than the previous volume of the series, and that's still up for debate, and long parenthetical, never disappoints me. So I both anticipate and dread the end of this book and of this series. Mainly because I'm going to have to wait who knows how long for the next book to come out. But I'll try to keep busy until then and we'll pick it up when the last book of the series comes out. Or the last volume of the series. If it is the last volume of the series because I'm assuming that it is a trilogy. And actually, I honestly don't know. It says at the end of this one that they're planning new books in the series. So I don't know if that's whole this whole series or if it's just the series after the one that they did anyway as always thanks for listening you can find us if you haven't already at www2 we have another podcast that we're doing chris and i were supposed to get together today to record the spooktober episode of two guys gaming but i wasn't feeling well so that's why i'm home recording this one we now have plans to get together next sunday to do some nerd stuff and record so it'll be out the week of Halloween, and you can listen to it while you're waiting for our November episode to come out. Extend your Halloween by a couple of days, if you will. There's also a link to our socials, including our YouTube, which is still alive, even though it's not as active as it once was, but hopefully this week I'll get back to updating it daily with the calendar, and I can record some of the other videos that I have planned. I also want to get the Instagram at least going, because I feel like that could get the word out a little bit more as well. I will be back with the series on Wednesday with the next episode, and then the last episode will be on Saturday, which means Wednesday is the penultimate episode, and that's one of my favorite words. I will talk to you then. Bye, guys. We are Two Guys game.